0: Carol Gold.
1: Hi, it's Sunday, September 10th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. You know, CNN was started around 1980 as a multinational news channel. It was uh, Ted Turner and I think Reese Schoenfeld who started CNN. And I remember back not a few years into CNN's existence when there was a tsunami in, I think, Indonesia or India. And I remember that when that news came across, it was startling because until CNN, there was no 24-7 news. You didn't have that. It wasn't there around the clock. And things that happened across the world you didn't know about necessarily, immediately. Even before you know the latest technology of the last half of the 20th century, sometimes it was weeks or months before you had news from across the globe. But suddenly, with the advent of technology and CNN 24-7 news, multinational, you knew when there was a tsunami or a tragedy, you knew it instantly from across the globe. And I remember thinking that this was very stressful because things that happened far away that were traumatic, that were stress-inducing, were suddenly in front of your eyes and your ears and they became part of your or my everyday existence. And those were stresses and tragedies and fear-based events that otherwise would not have been part of our daily lives. And I saw the potential for harm. I saw the anxiety and the stress and the exhaustion and the being overwhelmed that would occur from having that kind of news constantly in front of us. Because remember, the motto of journalism before there ever was the internet, you know, if it, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Stories that are about horrible things, stories about tragedy they 're the kind of things that get you know top billing and used to get top billing in newspapers and Now those are basically the same things that get top billing online, even on social media news sites. So here we are with all of the fear based crises and all of the economic crises and all of the international relations crises and all of the immigration crises, you name it. Every area of our lives has a crisis and every area of our lives with those crises are in front of us 24 seven. And I was thinking about that this weekend for two reasons. One, I listened to an interview with John Dodson. If you don't know who he is, John Dodson is the ATF, Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms whistleblower who really revealed the uh, gun walking scandal that was known as Operation Fast and Furious. If you don't remember that or know about it, it was essentially our government was forcing gun manufacturers and gun retailers in the United States specifically four of them to sell weapons to Mexico so that we could track where they were going and then we could identify crimes that were committed with them based on the serial numbers on the weapons it was an illegal operation but it was nonetheless being performed by our government by justice department by ATF etc so when Dodson realized what had happened, and actually what probably put him over the edge was one of those guns wound up in the hands of a cartel member and killed a Border Patrol agent named Brian Purry. Brian Turry, I'm sorry, who was beloved by his family and beloved by his co-workers. And it turned out essentially that we provided the gun that killed our own border agent. And so Dodson went public. And going public cost him a great deal. He became a whistleblower, supposedly protected under the whistleblower laws, but we know that they don't do the job they're supposed to do. And he was really uh, at risk. His family was at risk. And if if you want to know the details, you can watch the interview yourself on YouTube. But the important part of this is something he said during the interview. He said, When you know what your government is capable of, that's one thing. But when you realize what your government is willing to do with what they're capable of, that's a whole other level. And I thought about that, and I thought about how frightening that thought is actually because he was privy to not only corruption within our own agencies, He'd been with the government for 30, I think almost 30 years in different capacities. And I think he was also with the FBI at a point in time. And he was with ATF at the time of Operation Fast and Furious. So there's a real concern for what he knows and what he personally experienced when he became a whistleblower and the forces of government that were turned on him and i was thinking about that as i said and and something else on saturday when i watched that and the other thing that happened was what i often do on saturday because for me it's the jewish sabbath is that i read the torah i read the bible in essence and in judaism like in christianity christians study the bible every sunday jews read the bible cyclically so we begin with we begin with genesis and then we read what's called a parsha, a portion, every week until the year cycles, and by the time the year cycles were through the Torah, the first five books of Moses. So I was reading the appropriate portion for this past Saturday. It's, a, it's Deuteronomy, and I, I'm, not a, I'm not a chapter and verse person. I'm only going to cite it for purposes of this conversation. It was Deuteronomy 29.9. Okay, and in the Torah, there are commentaries at the bottom, which are rabbinical commentaries. The rabbis have made commentaries over the years. And this particular section, this particular portion or parsha had the following commentary. And I read it to you for a very specific reason relative to everything I've said thus far and will say in this podcast. Here's what it says. That when Moses was at the promised land but wasn't going to go in, he was going to die. He was 120 years old and God had told him it was the end and he knew it was the end. He gave one last basically sermon to to the Jewish people that were with him that had come through the 40 years in the desert. And what he said that was different about that covenant there was the responsibility for one another, under which every Jew is obligated to help others observe the Torah and to restrain from violating it. So, in essence, God would not hold them responsible for sins that were done secretly, but they would be liable for transgressions committed openly— And this is an essential worldview of Jews because it explains why one should not be apathetic to the shortcomings of others and why public desecrations of the Torah are a concern for every Jew of conscience. Okay, what has that got to do with what I normally do here on this podcast? Well, what I was thinking about, was thinking about what Dodson said. And I was thinking about all the crises in our lives right now. And then I was thinking about how does what I just read translate into our daily lives, regardless of your religion? Regardless of your religion. So if you, if you change the Torah to the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, and you understand that we each have a personal responsibility to have concern for and stand up against violations of the constitution then that's exactly how it translates to our secular lives because our constitution is to our nation i guess what i would say the torah or the bible is to my religion or is to the christian religion is to all of christianity it's the guidebook right so if we're all responsible for those things, for those public violations of the most fundamental law that we live under, then it got me thinking about news again this weekend, which is the governor of New Mexico came out with an executive order making it illegal for the next 30 days to open carry or conceal carry a weapon, even if you have a license to conceal carry. So this was her way of dealing with violent crime that has escalated in Albuquerque and the surrounding areas of New Mexico. Well, besides the fact that it's illogical what she's done, because hardened criminals are not going to abide by any executive order, and it's going to leave only law-abiding citizens unable to protect themselves against the criminals who will continue to conceal and open carry. But it's also unconstitutional, and that's what should concern all of us, that it's unconstitutional. It is a public violation of a fundamental governing law. So then I started to think about Trump. Forget your politics. You hear that that name Trump, right away your brain does something. Either you're for him or you hate him. And right away, your brain goes into that mode. I would ask you for the moment to forget your politics, to put aside your possible love or hatred, justified or unjustified, either one of them, for his personality. Because these indictments against him are not for the purpose of holding someone accountable who may need to be accountable for having done something illegal, these are political prosecutions in violation of the law, in violation of the Constitution. Realize there was a rush to pack four indictments <laughs> into a month or two time frame. By who? Well, overseen and in collusion with Biden's Justice Department. Biden's Justice Department, right? against his leading political opponent in the next upcoming election to go so far as to set trial dates within six months of the indictment where there are 2 million plus pieces of evidence the prosecution has that the defense has to review in just one case in just one case in the criminal case That's impossible. I can tell you as an attorney, you can't review 2 million pieces of evidence in six months. And the defense counsel asked for some extension in order to do that. And the judge who is a Biden appointee and who is a virulent Trump hater denied the extension. So why 2 million pieces of evidence? Well, I can tell you number one, it's impossible to review it all. But number two, there's something called the Brady rule and the Brady rule says that the prosecution has a duty to turn over to defense counsel in a case, any exculpatory evidence, exculpatory evidence means evidence that the prosecution has that would otherwise show the innocence of the defendant would otherwise help the defendant's case. The federal prosecutor knows about the Brady rule. So what will they do? Believe me, in those two million pieces of evidence, there are documents, statements, whatever, that are exculpatory. But they're so buried in the two million pieces of evidence that should the trial go forward as planned, and it looks like it will, and the defense counsel is unable to get through two million pieces of evidence, if and when they later find out post-trial that there was in fact exculpatory evidence in those two million pieces they're not going to be able to raise the Brady rule violation because the prosecution in essence will have turned over the exculpatory evidence they just buried it so deeply the defense won't find it these cases and particularly the criminal case within six months of indictment there are cases before this same judge that have been waiting two years for a trial date. Two years for a trial date, but Trump gets a trial date within six months. Again, this is not about the law. This is not about due process. And in fact, this judge made a statement that the, that the public has a right to a speedy trial. She must be ignorant of the law and the Constitution because the right to a speedy trial rests only with the defendant, not the public. The defendant has a right to a speedy trial. So she's misquoting the Constitution and using it against the defendant. Why do they want this trial so fast? Why do they want these trials so fast? Well, the reason is all they need is one conviction in the criminal trial on any of the, what, 84 or 90 counts against him, to be able to say, one, he's now a convicted felon heading into the presidential election, and two, they plan to try to keep him from being on the ballot under the 14th Amendment. Which, by the way, in and of itself, that approach is a violation of the Constitution. And I'm gonna tell you why. The 14th Amendment is called the Insurrection Clause. The Insurrection Clause was passed after the Civil War, and it was passed for the purpose of preventing Southern states from electing Confederate officers to Congress. Here's what it says. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of President and Vice President or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state, who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Folks, Trump hasn't been charged with insurrection, number one. And that's because legally, by definition, there was no insurrection. It was a riot. But he hasn't been charged with insurrection, So the 14th Amendment on that point doesn't apply to him. And the things that he said in that speech on January 6th, he specifically said he urged the crowd to peacefully and respectively protest. Peacefully and respectfully protest. So much for the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment. They're grasping at straws. And by the way, let me tell you that the same thing Trump and his legal team did after the election and to argue that it was stolen is the exact same argument made on behalf of Al Gore, (laughs) Al Gore's legal team in Florida and before the Supreme Court in the Gore versus Bush election. And in fact, one of the same lawyers who wrote that argument and made that argument on behalf of Al Gore is now prosecuting Donald Trump. Let me go back to New Mexico for a moment. In New Mexico, the district attorney in Albuquerque and the sheriff have refused to enforce the governor's executive order banning conceal and open carry even with a license. And gun rights groups have filed suit and they're seeking a temporary injunction to prevent the executive order from being implemented. Well, that's exactly how our law should work. That's how everything should work. People should stand up, people who have both both people who have political power, who have offices they've been elected to to represent the people and the people's interests, as well as everyday people. We should be standing up against that principle that I talked about in Torah, that applies to us in our secular lives, which is we are all responsible for violations that are done publicly of the fundamental law that governs us. However, the same thing is not happening with Trump, and it needs to. Regardless of your politics, regardless of his personality, regardless of any personal animus you may have against him. If they can do this to him, they can do this to you and to me. Remember what John Dodson said. He said, when you know what your government is capable of, that's one thing. But when you know what they're willing to do with what they're capable of, That's a whole other level. It happened in Nazi Germany. It's happened in every totalitarian government that has ever existed. Don't think that it can't happen here. It's happening here. And also remember this. If when they come for Trump or anyone else and you are silent and do not stand... There will be no one to speak and stand for you when they come for you and they will come for you. In case you doubt it, look at what they did to Steve Bannon and look at what they just did to Peter Navarro. Both of them have gotten prison time for contempt of Congress, Trump aides and Trump supporter. However, Eric Holder, who was our Attorney General under the Obama administration, who oversaw and implemented Fast and Furious, who refused to testify before Congress, who was found to be in contempt of Congress, was not prosecuted, was not given jail time. Why? Because it was Obama's Justice Department that would have had to have brought the charges. They will come. They will come because they are addicted to power, they are addicted to money, and they are addicted to control. And like all addicts, they will do anything to hold on to all three. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next Sunday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself.
0: Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.